I was listening to a radio show this past week, and a doctor was being interviewed. She was talking about a book that she had just written, having researched the obsession that we have as a culture with not dying, with denying death, and with going to great extremes to shield ourselves from the effects of aging. Everything from preventative medicine to plastic surgery being fastidious about our diets and our personal exercise habits. The most interesting statistic that she cited, I thought, was that there is absolutely no difference in the life expectancy, the number of years somebody lives, whether you religiously get your annual physical or whether you avoid going to the doctor like the plague. Death comes for us all. And it seems death comes for us with 100% effectiveness, whether we spend our lives getting checkups or not. Further, she talked about how our cells and internal systems, well, we might assume, as I surely did, that they have a sort of mechanical way of functioning. If X happens, then Y results. Our bodies are much more unpredictable and dynamic than that. She said that our cells can be free thinkers and that we have very little power over what exactly it is that they think and what they do. Our bodies aren't just tools to help our minds move around the world, but in a way our bodies think for themselves. Our internal functions aren't just a machine, but more like a crazy well-choreographed dance with a little improvisation thrown in for good measure. In other words, the things that happen inside our bodies, whether we eat wheat toast and avoid cholesterol every day of our lives, or whether we have bacon with our breakfast every morning on a regular basis, isn't up to us. There's some effect, of course, we know that. Our habits do make a difference in our lives, whether we exercise and get sufficient sleep, whether we hang out with people who affirm and build up our marriage commitments, for example, or with people who might encourage us to disregard and forget those relationships. But I'm intrigued by the truth that our own efforts can only do so much to shift the inevitable breakdown, disease, and death of our bodies. The cards are stacked unequivocally in favor of the mysterious transactions that happen in our cells and in our organs. The hand that our chromosomes are dealt at our conception control our fate, mortally speaking, much more than any outside effects that we can, efforts that we can take, even up against lifelong healthy habits. This might be an unpopular, even frightening truth, because we want to be in control of our own fates. We want to have power over our own lives. In just the last hundred years, the last century of human life, We've created antibiotics and immunizations, birth control pills, a 
and unimaginable advances in critical care. Machines can breathe for us, filter our blood, and even act as our hearts for a while. Just the expectation that a healthy, full-term baby will survive to adulthood is a development of the last hundred years. For the rest of human history, the thousands and thousands of years of ancestors before us and our parents, the fragility of life was front and center of people's minds all the time. Babies got diseases and died. Transportation and work accidents took limbs and lives. There was much less illusion of control over one's own fate much more need to surrender oneself to greater forces and focus on the small bits that we could change. My point here is that there are so many variables over which we have no control, few things that we can change, and those that we can are mostly external ones. We can put different foods into our bodies. We can choose to banish television from our homes. We can use only ethical makeup or shun our smartphones or avoid or limit our alcohol consumption. We can't control whether cancer grows in our bodies or whether a cold turns into pneumonia or if our nervous systems go haywire resulting in the constant pain of fibromyalgia, or if our endocrine system gives up, making our hormones do all sorts of strange and horrible things to our insides. Even in this, the 21st century, doctors are limited in their treatments and interventions for such suffering. We still don't understand fully what makes a disease start or stop what makes it ravage a body faster or suddenly disappear without a trace? Why some kids survived smallpox while most of them died. We have little to no power over the insides of ourselves. And that has been true since the beginning. But this is good news, brothers and sisters, because it means that we aren't meant to take on our insides and to strong arm changes in ourselves from the inside out. God is the only one with power to make changes on our insides, to bring transformation on a deep and soulful level, to affect changes that move from our guts out through our pores and into each interaction in our lives. Have you ever met someone who glows? I don't mean that they've got a perfect skin regimen, but that their great peace, centeredness, and joy in life just shines out through the blood pumping in their arteries and the smile that they give away to everyone that they pass by. Or maybe the person's peaceful presence is quieter they're not the glowy, smiley one, but they're the one that you feel safe sitting next to. The one who you know can handle whatever it is you will say 
and will sit with you in whatever uncomfortable thing it is that you have to process. I hold on to those people in my life as witnesses and testimonies to God's power to transform us from the inside to the outside. Today in our next service, we'll celebrate a baptism and the claim of baptism, this strange Christian ritual that we undergo, is the same claim I've been talking about this morning, that we do not have power in ourselves to help ourselves. We cannot change ourselves from the inside and make ourselves into something new or give ourselves the strength to be transformed or strong arm ourselves into some shiny new creation. Baptism says, I can't wash myself clean. I need to be washed. I can't change my insides. I don't have power to remake myself. I need someone else to do it for me. This past week, a friend of mine and her little girls came over for an afternoon of playing outside and for dinner, and then we ended the night with baths for all the babies. The adults formed an assembly line, one of us combing hair and putting on jammies, one of us taking slippery kids and drying them and then putting them on in diapers. And I happened to be the one on the front line, kneeling at the edge of the tub, scrubbing behind ears and making sure that shampoo bubbles didn't get into little eyes. These children couldn't wash themselves. They couldn't make the change from stinky and grass-streaked to soap-perfumed and freshly diapered on their own. In the same way, at baptism, whether it's an infant or an adult, we cannot baptize ourselves. The one requirement of baptism is that at least two people are present, the person being baptized and the one doing the baptizing. Even Jesus didn't baptize himself. His cousin John did it in the Jordan River. In this way, God makes sure that he is present in this most holy of baths. In this cleansing from the inside out, we see that God is the only one who can make a new creation, the only one who can draw someone through death and out the other side into life again. Those internal changes are absolutely impossible for us to affect. They're the same sort of changes that only God can make happen in our spiritual lives. But it's exactly the presence and help of other people that reminds us too that we can't go it alone. We can't be Christians by ourselves. That doesn't mean that we should give up and stop trying to make good decisions and forge good habits in our lives. For example, after my grandpa's first heart attack, he gave up tomatoes and butter, 
red meat and eggs, all those yummy things that can clog arteries and heighten blood pressure. After those changes, he lived long enough to dance with me at my wedding, to see me ordained as a priest, to watch me celebrate the Holy Eucharist on an Easter morning. His habits probably did make a difference in his length and quality of life. And when he did die, it wasn't from a cardiac event. So what I'm trying to say is that while we are at the mercy of so many internal powers, physical and spiritual, that are far beyond our control, it is our habits and our communities, the people who we let baptize us, wash us clean and speak truth into our lives. They are used by God's grace to be his hands and to make those changes in us. In the prayers and commitments of holy baptism, the congregation gathered always promises to do all they can to help this person grow into the stature of Christ. When you were baptized, people made that commitment to you too. And any time that you've witnessed a baptism as part of the audience and gathered community, you've made that vow. We all belong to each other. We are all committed to help each other grow into the stature of Christ. While we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves, and we know that growing as a Christian disciple requires God's grace mediated through human hands, may we rest and trust in God's power to change our insides in the gift that he will give us of his strength, his peace, his salvation. Amen. Amen. Amen.